How's it going? Keeping yourself well, keeping yourself sane. Um, I know it's obviously still in kind of strange times at the moment. Hope you imagine to keep yourself, yeah, keep yourself kind of happy and well and doing the best you can. Try to be there for other people and all those things as well. How am I doing? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry it's been a couple of weeks since uh, I did the last one of these, but I did say it was going to be a semi-regular show, so I guess I'm staying true to my words. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just been a few reasons, basically, I've not done it in the last few weeks. Um, one, I'm back to work doing my doing my actual job, so it is uh, just try to find that balance, you know, getting the time to do stuff that you want to do, like creative projects and things. Um, it was just getting settled back in for that, so it's should be back to sort of normal now and figuring out my schedules and things. But, um, so I should hopefully have in the next few weeks to keep things pretty regular for you. Um, so yeah, but yeah, the co- the story I'm going to do uh, today I'd mentioned on the first two about it. Um, it was a story called Hoovering Up Jim. Um, I think I'd mentioned before I was kind of struggling with it a little bit. Because just when I'd, uh, I'd had it written as a short story and then as I was trying to read it, it felt weird. And I was even kind of debating not putting it up because I wasn't an entirely kind of happy with it. But at the end of the day, I realised that this is like probably a really good kind of medium in place to um, sort of make mistakes and things and just put out work and see what kind of feedback I get anyway. Because, I mean, it's never going to be fucking perfect if you're like going after perfection and you're going to be fucking driving yourself mad so and I say that to other people yet I wasn't applying it to myself so yeah I'm going to put this up um I think I got it to a place where it's all right but I like the story itself but I just, there's things I could do to to work on it but I thought I'll get this up get it out of the road and then I can get on to some some newer stuff for you guys I've actually had yeah loads loads of sort of new stuff short stories that I'm starting so um I should have some good content coming up for the next the next few weeks. Um, yeah, I've kind of hit, hit a nice little kind of creative groove again, so I'm going to ride the wave as long as it lasts um, and hopefully get that stuff out to you. So I'll play the story um, and then I'll... Well, I won't really tell you what what it's about or anything. Again, you can make your own judgments on that, but I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it up just now. All right. So this is Hoovering Up Jim. Jean takes the Hoover's dust bag out into the garden and empties her husband, Jim, into the large blue bin assigned for recycling. She thinks to herself how strange it is that a man can reduce to nothing but fine powder. Not all that much of a man, she thinks but her man. When the bin men come, they'll empty them into their lorry and drive them off to a recycling centre where they'll have chippy boxes and expired microwavable ready meals for neighbours. She laughs at this, remembering how many meals she cooked for him, only for him to turn his nose up and go out for a kebab and a pint instead. Still, it makes her heart fall sadly, thinking she'll never be able to bury him or send him off properly. It was six months ago that Jim lost his job with the insurance company. I'll be back to work in no time, Jean. Don't worry, I'll never let you down. Where to fucking start, Jim? She said, begrudgingly tidying up around him as he lay there on the couch. She remembers that first night after he was let go, the cold air that flowed between them in their bed like water separating two islands. 
remembers looking at him while he slept. He was snoring and grunting and thinking to herself, I thought he'd make more of himself. For the first few weeks, the house was filled with bickering, promises from Jim that a new job was just around the corner. She didn't doubt his optimism. He used to have that enviable belief that things were bound to turn for the better. Eventually, though, Jim realised the tide had turned in the job market and he was left stranded on a lonely beach. Is that when it started? She thinks to herself, wheeling the bin out the garden and down the lane. It must have been. Jim had soon become part of the furniture, and his furniture, Jean did her best to keep him tidy and respectable, all the while maintaining her own job as a full-time nurse. You can get off your arse and put up the shelves, you know. You know, the ones you said you'd do last year, but you were too tired from work. What's the excuse now? Well, give us a fucking break, love. I've been looking for jobs all day. Fat chance, you fat prick. Their relationship had never been overly romantic. They were with each other because they were with each other, and they always had been. They didn't know much else. Aside from the boy she kissed in school to get back at Jim for two-time at her, Jim is the only man she'd been with. They were comfortable, though. They existed like a pair of old slippers. Raggedy, worn, probably best to be thrown out, but a pair nonetheless. And they used to be quietly content with this. Jim used to have his work pals, and Jean had her own. But he didn't want to show his face around him anymore. And now that Jim was always home, Jean's little routines were thrown off. Television shows that she liked just for there. He was there, slagging them. Cleaning the house, he was there, getting in the way, making a mess as he went. And even simple things like bathroom necessities had been turned into team sports by Jim. Jean could bear this, though. She realised that as a married couple, irritation and frustration were the unspoken part of their wedding vows, but what had started driving around the bend was the mess. Jim could be lazy. She'd accepted this years ago, but he'd never been a slob. But after he'd lost his job, she was constantly cleaning up after him. Dinner plates, beer bottles, moulded coffee mugs, it, it all disgusted her. But what she couldn't understand were the bizarre piles of dust. It felt to her as though every time she finished cleaning up, he just emptied the hoover bag onto the carpet to piss it off. Worse than this, he gave no explanation when she tried to talk to him about it. He would say he hadn't noticed the mess or that he was too tired to tidy. She wanted to slap him at the time. She was coming home from a double shift in the hospital and there he was, claiming he was too tired from half-heartedly sending out CV and job applications. That'll be right, she thought. How didn't I see it then? She says to herself, walking hollow bone back down the lane to the garden. It was one day, after a particularly tough shift, Jean came home and seen a trail of dust leading into the living room. That was it. Her nostrils flared, her chest puffed and blood all but shot out of her ears as she marched into the living room, swinging the door open furiously as it battered against the wall. She was about to start screaming, but the words were thieved from her. Jim was laying on the floor, chunks of his head and arms missing, and dust all around him. A natural instinct to be a carer took over from here. Jim, you're sorry, man. What have you done? I've not done anything, Jean. I, I, I don't know what's happened. It's, it's been going on for months now. Months? Months, love. I mean, I've been doing my best to hide it. And, and why would you hide anything from me, you big dafty? Just look at me, Jean. This isn't your man. I've seen worse, love. Come on, let's get you up. 
She hadn't seen worse, but she didn't know what else to say. She helped him up onto the couch as more of him cracked and crumbled off. Our work in the hospital hadn't prepared her for anything like this, but she did her best to fix him up. Jim said he didn't feel any pain, not physically anyway. He said instead that all he felt was a decaying inside of him. You know, it's like, I feel like an old building, or, you know, one that counts to just tear down. Don't be daft. I'm not trying to be daft, but you can't just leave something up that's falling apart. You're not making sense, love. Come on, you just need to rest. Jean, I'm not your man or any man anymore. I haven't been in a long time. Jean thinks about this. She remembers the strong, handsome man that grew out of that little skinny boy she knew. How she used to count herself lucky when she wrapped her arms around his neck, letting him nestle on his broad shoulders. In her arms that night, she felt like she was holding an old ceramic. And she couldn't sleep. So she went and tidied up the rest of the house. She had planned to take him to the doctors after that first night. But when Jim woke up, he was completely whole again. He told her that this was what was happening and that's how he'd been able to hide it from her somewhat. She didn't know what to make of it. She was, she was too confused. So she went off to work for the back shift. One of them had to work, she thought. But then when she came home, it was the same scene as the day before. She got fixed up, got out of the hoover and cleaned up the mess and cleaned the rest of the house. And that's how it went. Every night he was in bits and every night she got out of the hoover and cleaned up after him. Some days were worse than others and some days she'd come home and he wouldn't really have cracked or crumbled all that much. She really didn't know what to make of it. Neither did the GP. He referred him to a dermatologist who didn't know what to make of it, who then referred him to another specialist who didn't know what to make of it. And then another and another until they were so exhausted by the process that they gave up. See, no doctor was able to see the extent of Jim's condition because every morning he'd miraculously made a full recovery. It was though with every second that passes in the day, he'd become weakened and crippled by its moving, only to return to normal by the next morning. And Jim didn't want anyone knowing about it. But Jean had started to tell her colleagues about it, not knowing where else to turn. When she did, she was met with faces painted by concern. The widening of the eyes, the stuttering voices of disbelief and worry that she'd used herself. And she was asked if she needed time off. She never mentioned it to her colleagues again. One night, not long after that, Jim asked Jean how much longer she could take it. But this isn't fair in you, love. You're so tired from work and then you have to come home and look after my sorry ass. What else am I going to do? Dafty, you my man. Whatever the hell I am now, it's not a man. Jean sits with a cup of tea, thinking about this. Had he been changing into something that was no longer her man? Is that pile of dust she just emptied into the bin? A man? Is it a person at all, or is it just a mess? A collection of dust? She doesn't know. It was last Tuesday. Jean came home from work about six o'clock in the evening. The whole bus ride home, she had the strangeness in her heart. And her thoughts were pounding like damp boots through her head. Something wasn't right. When she arrived home, she realised why. There was a bigger pile than usual in the living room, and Jim was nowhere to be seen. She denied it at first. She continued the routine as normal and hoped against hope that 
He went out for a walk and a pint and would stumble in, drunk with a kebab, turning his nose up at the dinner she had ready for him. But when that didn't happen, she stayed up the whole night, staring at the pile of dust, making a mess of a carpet, begging him to turn back into her nap. But when that didn't happen, she thought, well, maybe because she was there, you know, like a watch pot kind of thing. So the next night she went to bed, lay there sleeplessly until the morning. And when the morning came, she stepped down the stairs with a painful anticipation, begging that he was going to be there, sitting on the couch. But, of course, that didn't happen. She's done that every day since, each time believing a little less, and each time with a heavier heart when she sees nothing but a pile of dust in the living room. And until this morning, she kept just a little bit of the door open in her heart, thinking he was somehow going to come back. But her hope was snuffed out today when Jean started speaking to the mess on the floor. She was pleading with him to come back, not caring how crazy it made her seem or look. It's just like you, the big dafty, sitting here making a mess of my good carpet. I know you want me to clean it up, but I'm not doing it. This is one mess you're going to have to clean up. It is, Jim. Come on, Jim. Jim, please. There was no response, of course. Jean emptied some flowers out of a vase, cleaned it thoroughly and began scooping up the mess on the floor. She poured most of them into it. Don't worry, love, I'll get you a nice one soon. Nice urn to put you on top of the mantelpiece, she said. But the sentence rang painfully in her ear. It was too real, it was too physical, it was, it was too final. No, Jim, no. Nah, you're not fucking doing this to me. You're not, you're not fucking leaving me here. Nah, staring at a fucking vase waiting for you just to come back. No, no, you can't just leave me like this. You need to tell me if you're here. You need to tell me if you're not. You just need to... Jean picks up the vase, shaking it, begging it to do something more than just be. Come on, Jim, just give me something. She threw the vase off the wall at that point. It smashed into pieces, the dust covering the walls, the carpet, and even her clothes. And she lay down on the floor and wept. After an hour or so, she composed herself a little. She got out of the hoover and cleaned up after him one last time. Jean finishes her tea, her head swimming in confusion and grief. What does she do now? How does she explain Jim's passing to their family and friends? If that even is what happened, should she have a memorial? Should she tell anyone? Her thoughts begin to rattle around her head like loose change in a washing machine. Her stomach begins spinning with it too until she feels like she's sure to be sick any second. Her legs are too weak to stand, her neck's too weak to hold her head, she just lies down on the couch, but it doesn't stop it. And then she hears the sound of the lorry backing down the lane. The beep. Steady, high-pitched beep as it backs down the lane. The spinning stops. Jean gets up off the couch and goes about cleaning the house. Well, there's another cheery one for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope you hope you enjoyed that. Um, that uh, that story was guest starring my Hoover, which is uh, the whiny Hoovery noise that you can hear <laughs> in the uh, in the audio. Um, yeah, it was fucking. It was a bit of a bit of a nightmare doing that. Just I think, cause when I was under like the duvet recording it, 
the mic kept getting moved, so you can just hear the changes in the volume. So I apologise for that, but I mean, this is very low budget, what we're doing here. So um, there will be some little mistakes and there'll be little things that are just like, maybe a little bit frustrating. But I mean, it, in general, you can, you, can, you can hear the story and stuff. So I hope that you enjoyed the content of it. And um, I do promise to keep getting better at doing these things. Um, but uh, yeah, I did. I did actually. I enjoyed making the little track underneath for it as well. It was good fun just to like get out of the mic and uh, record me cleaning up the house. That was that was <laughs> definitely yeah, definitely a new way of making music. Um, but it was it was actually I've been playing a lot more music and stuff recently. I think it's been kind of keeping me sane during during sort of lockdown and not being able to go out as much. It's good to have uh, an outlet where you can just fuck around you know not for anything serious not like making even full compositions or songs just little daft things um but yeah sometimes they come out with actually little decent ideas and it means i can use them for like stuff underneath the stories and yeah it's it's definitely good getting back to those roots um yeah i'm not going to go into anything really about the story for that at all i mean you can take your own sort of influences for it i will just mention it was the reason it was written is um, a friend of mine, um, Andrew, we are, were looking at making or writing a play together where we were going to sort of incorporate some of the characters from short stories I'd had in the past. Um, and it was basically going to be centred around these sort of slightly sort of magical realism, sort of strange oddball characters that were going to be phoning into a radio show. And one of the people that were going to be phoning in was going to be Jean talking about her being worried about her husband about these sort of just conditions and things um and uh, so i just went away and i wrote the the short story to kind of do the sort of full background of it to give us something to go on but i mean there's i guess there's probably quite a lot you can sort of pull apart in there for finding meanings and things i kind of like just to have little images as opposed to um a huge sort of plot or anything like that um but the some of the stories I'll be doing in the next few weeks will be a bit more, maybe a bit more plot driven and things. But um, yeah, well, it was definitely different trying to get that, get that right because the short story as it's written is a lot different. I feel like maybe the transitions are a bit smoother between the present and the and the memory sort of of it. But it was it was still it was still fucking fun to make it anyway, and I, I do hope you enjoyed it. But I'll leave you for this week. Um, I just want to say that I know obviously things are pretty fucking crazy at the moment in a lot of different ways around the world so just keep being a good person and stuff and make sure you're there for your people you love and make sure that you're just being a positive influence in general all right listen to people read about things all that good stuff but i'm gonna love you and leave you so thank you for listening